Christina? I'm here. Oh, there we go. Hi, how are you? Good morning. Good. How are you doing? I am well, and I am so glad that we're able to make this connection because this book has, uh, well, I haven't seen any Nat Geo kids books that I thought were, eh, you know, that's not a very good one. Uh, they're they're all amazing. The photographs are breathtaking. The information is so much fun. Which part of this book do you get 100% credit for? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can't say I get any credit. The, all the credit goes really to the team that worked on this book, whether it's the author, Neil Cavanaugh, to our incredible expert, which is Kari Turner, to our photo editors, our other editorial team. It's just kind of a collaborative effort that, this book wouldn't exist without all of our help. Well, and it's interesting to me of the kind of the tidbits of information that your team is able to uh, to find and incorporate, like police horses, uh, like uh, the U.S. Space Force use of horses, the fact that horses like yoga and Pilates can improve core strength, which is why a lot of those uh, programs uh, for in- individual humans that are suffering from uh, a variety of ailments benefit greatly from uh, riding on horseback. Uh, Horses and ponies really do offer a lot, don't they? It's true. And honestly, in this book, we say that it's for 7 to 10, but it's really for any reader because we touch on pretty much every subject, whether it's related to the anatomy of horses or if you're a big fantasy lover, we talk about the mythological horses. Or like you said, if you like yoga or dancing, that's in there too. Horses kind of touch on every aspect of the human experience. Well, what they, they really do. Is there a particular, oh man, look at that. The Marawari, is that how you pronounce it? The Marawari horse known yes. for its curved ears. Wow, that is a one unusual looking horse. And where are they from? Oh, that one is my one of my favorites because it actually, that photo, I don't know if you have the book in hand. I do. I'm looking right at it. the funniest looking photo. You're like, it's so cute. <laughs> How did they do the curved horse? But it's actually from what they call the, the Jodhpur Marwar region of India. And if you investigate just a little bit further, that Jodhpur region is why we have those funky-looking pants that you wear when you are riding called Jodhpurs. Jodhpurs? Big hips and very thin at the ankles. Really? I did not? No, I've yeah. learned something. I guess I can go home now. I've learned something. All right. Well, I want to learn two things before um, I go home. I, I'm, I'm probably going to learn more than that. How did humans domesticate Horses, and I don't know, maybe why. Who was the first human who looked at those crazy horses running by and thought, you know, that they would certainly assist us in plowing a field or getting me to uh, visit Uncle Joe's house in less than a week's worth of walking? What what was it about a human that thought domesticating that horse, that wild, that gigantic wild animal, would be a good thing? You know, there are very few animals that can be domesticated, but it's funny for kids today, the idea of not having cars or some form of vehicle is completely impossible to imagine. But that's kind of similar to why they looked at animals and went, ooh, that is a way we can get from one point to one point or, or have a form of transportation or get, you know, we have the Pony Express and things 
how do we get mail to and from places? Um, so about 6,000 years ago, that's when we first started using horses for different tasks, like that travel and herding. Um, and most of those horses ended up staying domesticated. And we'll, we still see, even in the U.S., 86,000 wild mustangs running around. But we have so many varieties throughout the world. It was kind of the same thought process of these are really strong, magnificent beasts who do like humans, too, which is great. Um, and they can help us with just our daily tasks. Well, and so, I don't know, the first domesticate, I'm still confused a little bit or still curious about what was it about uh, the, what was going through that human's mind when he saw that crazy giant horse in a herd gallop by and thought, I'm going to try and snag one of those monsters and see if I can get him to be my pet the same way that somebody else tried to grab that big hairy monster and realized grizzly bears are a lot grumpier than horses, you know, because as you mentioned, and I think most people know that most wild animals are not domesticatable. How is it that someone figured out that a horse is, but, uh, but dolphins are not, you know, I don't know. It was it just trial and error. It, it probably was something like that. The nice thing about horses, too, versus your grizzly bear, is a grizzly bear is a carnivore, and ah, and okay. horses are herbivores. So immediately we are actually in different the, – the predators, like the grizzly bears, are going to feel very threatened by you and feel the need to – All right. Over. Well, that makes sense. Um, Never occurred to me. Never <laughs> tried to domesticate something that could eat you if they're not happy about being your pet. It never do that. Exactly. I mean, we do have tiny little predators in our houses, like dogs and cats, but they do really love us, and there's kind of this symbiotic relationship going on. But horses are just truly pretty intuitive creatures, and we talked a little bit about how they have almost as many expressions as humans. They have 17 different facial expressions, and they signify to us when they're happy or sad or they have a form of communication amongst each other and even a hierarchy within their own herds. They, they kind of are similar to humans in many, many ways. I know that there are a lot of people, hopefully not very many of them are listening to this conversation right now, but a lot of people that think that God's creatures should be left alone to be God's creatures. And the fact that you domesticate a horse and you make that horse do all your work for you is horrible. And that horse does not want you riding on their back. That horse does not want to run around barrels or jump over fences or pull that wagon filled with rocks. That horse just wants to be free. And you miserable, rotten, horrible human being are making that horse's life horrible. What do you tell those people? You know, I will say most of the time I just let, I can't really change many people's thoughts. And in here we really try at National Geographic just to bring people facts so that they can really learn more and more about what are these animals, why do they do what they do, and especially for this age group at 7 to 10, just kind of understanding more about what are horses and and why, why do I love them so much and we make this one just really just fun and silly and exciting. We got lots of activities so kids can kind of relate themselves to those horses too. And we make it aspirational. So 
kids who want to be veterinarians or maybe a horse trainer or don't even know how they could be working with horses in the future. Sure. You kind of find out by using this book as a resource. Well, and when you read about things like horses and goats, they get along really well. So don't be surprised if you ever go to visit a farm and you see horses and goats hanging out together. Yes, they are friends. Oh, absolutely. Horses, just like humans, get very lonely if they're by themselves. And sometimes they can even get very anxious. And nobody likes feeling that way. And what do you do when you feel that way? You go find some friends or people to surround yourself with. For horses, it could be anything from another horse to a goat like we show. I mean, the funniest photo in the book is the goat actually many times stands on the back of a horse because it likes to get a little bit of a ride and the horse thinks it's fun too. Sure. Well, you know, a little back rub and goats aren't very heavy, so that works okay. And and it's, how do you decide this group? I, you know, there's a whole section on free roaming horses. Who takes a picture of those free roaming horses and says they deserve to stay free roaming? We're going to leave this group of horses alone. You know, we we touch on a little bit of that. We don't go too deep, but we do introduce um, an incredible woman who's a filmmaker who's really trying to protect horses and and who gets captured and and what happens. And we talk about some of the threats facing a lot of horses out there and what kids can do, whether it is making their own movies like this filmmaker or, or sending a message of some sort to whomever works if they live in an area. with those wild horses to kind of protect them. Or, in fact, you can even adopt one of these horses. There's wow. a Mustang rescue yeah, group in cool. the U.S. Nat Geo kids can't get enough horse stuff. Fun facts, awesome info, cool games, silly jokes, and all of the National Geographic photographs that you would expect. It's available everywhere, and it really is a fun book. Christina Sauer, thank you very much for talking with me this morning. Can't wait to do it again with Nat Geo Kids' next offering. Have a wonderful day, all right?